Hi there, we really hope you enjoy this teaching from The Message. To find out more about all the exciting things we're doing and how you can get involved, check out our website, message.org.uk. There's an organisation in America called Youth Specialities. And Youth Specialities, for many years, used to produce all the best youth resources. If you were a youth leader, there was not a lot of resources coming out of the UK, but youth specialities used to produce all these amazing resources. And every year they would have a conference where they would bring youth leaders together from all over America. And they'd have to book out an arena. There's often seven, eight, ten thousand 10,000 people in these arenas. And if you were a speaker, you would want to be able to speak at this event because you got to actually talk to all these people, sell all your books. It was a significant conference and so they had all the top speakers and then one day this guy appeared let me put that picture up nobody knew who he was we all know who it is it's Shane Claiborne and Shane came on I don't know if you've ever met him but um, he, he used to have dreads he doesn't have dreads anymore but he had dreads and he used to make all his own clothes and they looked like he'd made all his own clothes you know they were just hanging on his body and he he walked on and he said this after 10 years of youth specialities conference with all the greatest speakers that have ever spoken to audience he said I am about to preach the best sermon you've ever heard you can imagine the place went quiet Everybody leant forward. Well, I'm going to preach the best sermon you've ever heard. So get ready. Here it is. You ready? Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will show mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those when people insult you persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before me he continued and he read the whole of the sermon of the mount and then he finished and his final words were does anybody think he wanted us to take that seriously and then he left and that was his talk. But because he actually shared the Jesus manifesto, we would have to admit that that is the greatest sermon of all time. I've really uh, re-engaged with um, uh, the Sermon of the Mount um, just recently, and I've just loved, I mean, I want to recommend a couple of books to you. Um, there's a book that um, R.T. Kendall's written on the Sermon of the Mount, which is a fantastic book, and also a slightly more studious uh, book by John Stott, which is fantastic, and N.T. Wright's one, written one, again, brilliant. And uh, I've just been so blessed, and, and, and for... In the next few times I talk, I want to begin to unpack what um, that looks like. I've been fortunate um, because one of the things uh, that some of you might not know is I'm a reverend. um, And that's given me opportunity to to do a few uh, weddings. 
Um, I, I've, I married um, people who've worked for the message in Wales. I married um, a couple of the young women who worked for Message Wales. It's a bit embarrassing. I actually said to them, oh, when they told me they were getting married, I said, oh, and presumably you want me to do the wedding for you. And they looked at me like, we hadn't thought about that. And I was like, oh, yeah, that'd be great. I'll still look forward to it. Uh, can you imagine how embarrassed I would be now if you weren't planning to invite me to do your wedding? And they looked at me, and what they both did independently after my joke was came back to me a month later and said, actually, would you do our wedding? And I had to say, oh, it's not because you feel sorry for me, is it? They were like, no, 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 we really want you to do it. And, and, and so that was amazing. I love doing weddings. And then uh, there was once where this, woman, this young woman rang me. She said, I want to get married, but uh, the, the single most important thing is... I need you to do my wedding. I was like, wow. So I said, when is it? And they gave me the date. And I said, oh, I'm really sorry. I can't do that. That's the date of the advance conference. And she said, oh. And I said, I could see if somebody else is available, though. And she went, oh, that'd be great, thanks, and put the phone down. <laughs> Just a bit harsh. But my favorite weddings, bizarrely. Uh, I'll show you a picture of a wedding that I did um, a few years ago. It'll just uh, hopefully come up on the screen. That's a wedding that I did in India. I arrived in India, and my mate Prasad, the guy uh, on your right, said, oh, tomorrow you're doing a wedding. The people have actually delayed their wedding in order for you to actually do their wedding. I said, that's amazing. It's incredible. Um, Who are they? Do I know them? He said, no, you've never met them. They don't know you. But they heard you were coming, and they delayed the wedding so you could do that. Well, first of all, I'd like to apologize for my shirt. It's a horrible shirt. But secondly, my wife gave me such a row because I actually had sandals on and no, sh- and no, no sh- socks and shoes. But I didn't know I was going to do it. But the, the, the thing that, that is relevant to all these weddings is every time I've done a wedding, I've actually written a talk which has been for the couple. It's for the couple. And, and what I do is I talk to the couple and allow, allow everybody else in the congregation to listen to the talk that I believe that God has given me um, for this couple. And by the way, I think that this is what was happening on the Sermon of the Mount. That Jesus was actually beginning to share his manifesto, the, the way, the truth and the life. But he's actually sharing it with his best mates, with his disciples. And he allowed everybody else to listen into it. I mean, people were amazed when they, they heard it because Jesus was beginning to unwrap his, his sense of, not just a, his sense of purpose and identity, but also what their purpose and identity was going to be. He began to unpack what the principles of the kingdom was. And so powerful was it, it says at the end, when Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowd were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. Now, um, a few years ago, there's a picture coming up now. A few years ago, Andy and a bunch of other guys, we actually went to um, to the, the place where they actually um, where, where they believe that Jesus actually did this teaching, the Sermon of the Mount. You can see there's like a bit of a uh, um, destroyed van over in the corner, and we were all there. But this is this was the view that we had from that place which was out over the Sea of Galilee. And I was able to read the same passage that I've just read to you, um, to them. And, and, and there was something powerful about it. 
Um, something significant, for me at least, in reading that, the, the, this teaching in that place and getting to understand, getting to the heart of what this teaching is. Now, I think when we think about this teaching, there's a, a few different things that we might want to think about. When we think about the Sermon on the Mount, we can take a few positions. Number one is, well, Jesus taught this 2,000 or so years ago. He was teaching it to the people there. It's not really relevant for today. Um, he, he, they all thought they were living in end times anywhere. It's kind of redundant and it's not relevant to us now. Well, obviously, let me be very clear. That's absolute nonsense. That's heresy. That's absolutely not true. The other option that we could take is, well, the teaching is amazing, but it's impossible to attain. Uh, it's aspirational. It's not for now. It's kind of for a, a future kingdom. It's for, for when Jesus comes again. But actually that misunderstands what Jesus meant when he talked about the kingdom. And actually if you take that view, it lets you off the hook for everything. Because you basically say, I can't do any of this, so I can just do what I want. I can't achieve, achieve any of the teachings of Jesus. So, you know, I don't need to worry about it. Again, absolute nonsense. Or there's a thought, which is the one that I want to stand on, I believe that you do as well, is it's for now, and therefore we need to understand what Jesus was saying and how we can live up to what Jesus commanded. In reality, the Sermon of the Mount only makes sense if we understand what the kingdom of heaven is And that only makes sense if we actually consider it within the context of the fact that the the kingdom of heaven is intrinsically linked with the Holy Spirit. Now, the Holy Spirit is not actually mentioned in, uh, in the Sermon of the Mount. But, you know, God's not mentioned in Esther. We just know he's there because of the way that Jesus is teaching. Jesus is calling us to a high standard to high ideals that we know are actually impossible without the Holy Spirit. You can't make this stuff happen. You can't speak to your inner flesh and hope that it will happen without the empowering of the Holy Spirit. You have to have his power. You have to have his presence. You have to have his guidance. And, and we know that. We, when we think about it, we know there's literally no way that we could possibly love our enemies without the presence of the Holy Spirit. In the text we see that as Jesus began to teach this, he sat down. He sat down because in that time, sitting down had more authority than standing up. In fact, Pilate himself sat down when he decided the fate of the Lord Jesus himself. So when Jesus preached his first sermon, uh, which you remember was in Luke 4, in the synagogue, he, he actually read the scriptures and then sat down before he said, today in your presence these scriptures are fulfilled. It has power. It has authority. So when Jesus sat down, you can be assured that his 12 disciples were no, under no illusion that what was coming next was powerful stuff. And so should we. So the the 12 verses I've read are the text of the sermon and, and what follows on from those 12 verses is the outworking 
the print of those pronouncements, of those blessings, of those beatitudes? What do they look like in everyday life? So if the Sermon of the Mount is the message of the Holy Spirit and the unpacking of the kingdom, let me just answer another question. What do we mean by the kingdom? Now, it's important to say that when we talk about the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven, they're actually interchangeable. They're, they're one and the same thing. They're just different phraseologies by different writers writing to different audiences. Okay? But they, they are the very same thing. Now, the kingdom, the simple answer to what is the kingdom, it's the place where the king reigns. It's the place where the king has dominion. Now, recently, we've, we've gone through a change of monarchy, and we now have gone from having a queen to having a king. And, uh, and the king, the, uh, King Charles, is the king of the UK, isn't he? He's the king of the UK. But he's not the king of France. He's not the king of the USA. He's not the king, king of Germany. However, in those places, he is still a king. Everybody would say, oh, that guy, that's King Charles. But, what but in saying that, they're recognizing who he is, but saying, however, he has no authority here. He has no authority and he has no power. Well, the kingdom of God is this place. The kingdom of God is where he has power and authority that is unhindered. Does that make sense? And so in reality, we can call um, uh, uh, Jesus our king, but unless we've got a completely un unhindered heart, then we're saying, well, you're a king, but you're not necessarily the king of my life in this area. Now, you remember I showed you that picture of, um, um, uh, 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 from the Mount of Beatitudes where Andy and I were there. I showed you the best view. I showed you the best view. If I'd have actually just turned my camera a little bit to the right, you would have seen greenhouses full of bananas actually getting in the way of the view. But I actually, I actually pretended that that didn't exist. I found a different angle. The truth of it is, if we wanted to have an unhindered view, we'd have had to actually go down, and we'd have actually had to take the bananas trees out of the ground. We'd have had to get rid of the greenhouses and the netting so that, that so it was a, an unhindered view. And so it is with our hearts, by the way, that sometimes what needs to happen is there needs to be a deconstruction. There needs to be some root and branch work doing. There needs to be um, not, not just um, a, a, a trimming of the vine. There needs to be an uprooting of the strong holes that are, that are holding uh, within our hearts. So the question is, is he the king of your hearts? When we say uh, on earth as it is in heaven, do we really mean it? Is it just the sort of thing that we said in our assemblies at school as a primary school kid? Or do we really mean your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven? If we mean it, we mean it now as well as in the future time. It's not a future point, is it? It's not just at some point your kingdom's going to come. Your, his kingdom of reign will come to the earth eventually when all things are made new. But he's requiring us to allow his kingdom to happen in us right now, today. 
And he's not really interested in this kind of splits where we have a bit for him and a bit for ourselves. A bit for him, a bit for the world, a bit for the spirit, a bit for the flesh. It's all. Is he the king of our life? Is the kingdom of God a place of power and authority? Is it unhindered? The kingdom of God is in our midst. If he is in us. Now one definition of the kingdom is this. The rule of the ungrieved spirit. Is the Holy Spirit within you fully activated? Or are the areas of your life that you're sh- that where he is grieved, where he is unable to operate because you've not given him p- permission and authority to operate in your life? Um. Some of you will know, all of you will know Nicky Gumbel. Before Nicky Gumbel was the um, rector at uh, Holy Trinity Brompton, it was Sandy Miller. And before Sandy Miller was at Holy Trinity Brompton, he they spent a bit of time in Jerusalem. And when he was in Jerusalem, um, he, tell, he told the story of the fact that him and his wife had a really... Um, kind of argumentative relationship. They would argue a lot when they first got married. But when they moved into their their house in Jerusalem, there was a dove that actually lived in the eaves of the house. And they realized that every time they had, had an argument, the dove would leave the house. Every time they slammed the door, the dove would leave the house. And then one day his wife said, Sandy, we're going to have to behave differently. We're going to have to change the way that we operate because I love having the dove in the eaves of the house. I love the fact that the dove is part of our home. But I realize every time we argue, he leaves. And I'm worried that if we don't change, he's not going to come back. So we're going to change in order to to ensure that the dove always stays. If you had a dove, when Jesus talks about, uh, when the gospel, sorry, when the gospels talk about the Holy Spirit, coming on Jesus like a dove. Imagine the Holy Spirit came and rested on you now. He was sitting on your shoulder. How would you operate if you wanted to keep that dove on your shoulder? You would be calm, you would be peaceful, you would be considerate of every step that you took, wouldn't you? Knowing that if you did anything, that the dove would fly off. Well, the truth of it is, you know, the, the Holy Spirit doesn't leave us, actually. But the Holy Spirit is ineffective when we do not give our lives fully over to him. He doesn't take flight, but he is grieved. And the place of the kingdom of heaven within us is the place of the ungrieved spirit. He needs to be activated. We need to be convicted of the truth of who he is. And we need to actually operate like our lives depend on it. The kingdom cannot advance in our life. Or, 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 or through us, if we're actually grieving the Holy Spirit. Now, when the people were listening to this, when Jesus' his followers were listening to this, when the Pharisees were listening to this, when the crowd were listening to this, they were all expecting that the Messiah was going to come to establish an earthly kingdom. But we know, don't we, because we live on this side of the story, that Jesus came not to establish this earthly kingdom as a king that was going to kick out the Romans, but he was coming to bring freedom from something else, freedom from sin. A kingdom that is established within us, 
which can be removed when we call on Jesus as our Lord and Saviour. But we experience the fullness of the kingdom and the fullness of all he has, the inheritance that he has, when we allow the Holy Spirit to operate in us, unhindered, unquenched, and ungrieved. So here he is, Jesus, ready to unleash his master plan. The law's been received on Mount Sinai, and now the revelation of the new covenant is being released on the Mount of the Beatitudes. Moses shared his blessings and curses in Exodus 28. He'd taken people out of Egypt through the waters of the Jordan into the desert wilderness before they'd entered into the promised land. And Jesus, our Lord and Saviour, escaped from Egypt, went through the baptismal waters of the Jordan into the wilderness and now into the land of promise. And we read those phrases, don't we? Blessed are they. Blessed. But you know, blessed is somewhat diminished when we think about it from an English perspective. It's, it's got a much richer vein than that. It's much richer in its theology and in its meaning. It says something like, I've got some great and wonderful news. It's amazing. God is in the business of pouring out his blessings. Congratulations. It's much, much more than this kind of, I don't know, you know, 16th century word, blessed. It's like, come on, God's got this for you. God is releasing this to you. And isn't that the people that we want to be? I'm going to ask the band to come back as I bring this final challenge to myself and to you and say, isn't that who you want to be? People who've got God's full approval. People who are completely open to the Holy Spirit. People who allow Jesus to operate not just in a proportion of our life, but in the whole of our life, where he's not just our saviour, but he's also our Lord, where he has freedom to operate in us and through us. Don't we long to be the people where God looks down on us and says, not only do I have good news, but I can see that you are carrying the good news. And therefore, I want to give you more good news. I want you to be more of a blessing. I want to bless you so that you can be a blessing. So that you can give what I've given to you away. Congratulations. You're blessed. You're amazing. I want to pour out blessings on you. Well, for some of us, if we're honest, it's going to need a little bit of heart surgery. It's just going to need a little bit of a moment where we actually just say, Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, I want to give over to the the thing that you've been convicting me of, the thing that I know that makes you sad, the thing that I know that grieves you. I want to recognize that your ways are better than my ways, that you are a better master of my life than I am. I want to trust you with all the stuff that I'm holding on to that's not of you. I want you to make my heart whole. I want you to fill me again in totality 
with your Holy Spirit. I want the kingdom of God to be within me. Come, Holy Spirit. Don't forget to check out message.org.uk to find out how you can support our work or even get involved with one of our teams. We also have another podcast called The Flow Podcast where we share stories and testimonies of the amazing things that God's doing in people's lives. Search for The Flow Podcast on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening.